you could do locations, whatever, but it's like, well, I could add more sessions. If I add more sessions and hire more coaches that I could get more clients. And that that's a true statement. But what if you instead just looked and said, okay, I have these this session that only a few people are coming to do. What if I just reduce the amount of times I offered that one or canceled it if, if that's what's needed right now. And now I have more profit. So instead of raising my ceiling, my potential, I just raised my floor. And when you raise your floor, now you can touch the ceiling a lot easier. Just looking at it totally different instead of like, how can I get more of something? How can I get the most out of something? And it's a balance. It's not just do one or the other, right? We get the bias and think, I wanna get more and more and more. Well, yeah, okay, get more. But guess what? You get more of the good, you also get more of the bad because you gotta optimize before you maximize. So I think maximizing is potential, Optimizing is what's possible because maximizing is potential of what could be. Optimizing is what is. Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hello, fitness empire builders. We are back for another amazing show. Today, we have a very, very special guest. This person, when we look at one of the people I've learned most from in the, the fitness industry and just even in the business space, this is one of the people that I've learned the most from. Call him the professor because pretty much anything that he puts his mind to, he studies it, he implements it, he perfects it. And then he comes and teaches it. And then whenever he comes and teach, I take out the notebook and uh, I learn from him every single time, which is why I'm so excited that he's coming all the way down from, all the way up from Alabama to come speak at the Domination Workshop. Um, our guest today is Stephen Hadley. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. And uh, I don't know if anybody expected me to talk like this, but you know. <laughs> I told him uh, before, he he loves bass fishing. He loves uh, Alabama football. I said, today we're not talking about bass fishing or Alabama football or else we are going to, to lose our audience. But give him a little two-minute intro. Give us a little backstory on who Stephen Hadley is. Uh, well, in terms of like the business or the, the fitness business side of things, I got into got into fitness business because... I was in love with fitness. So probably like most, like, you know, both of you, um, just the passion for fitness. And for me, that really like took off in college exercise science degree. My days consisted of working out, meal prepping, training clients. Uh, I was always joking, always trying to figure out a way to get like the days old rotten protein shake smells out of my, all of my shaker cups. That was, that was pretty much what my, what my days consisted of back then. Man, uh, so th those in the Alabama heat would be awful rough man anybody who knows that smell knows how bad that smell is like a never-ending battle in those days so it was all like living breathing fitness and that really is what you know made me decide hey i want to do this you know career-wise so um here we are 12 years later and that that's one of the things that i love most about you is like you are a student in the game like a true student in the game like every aspect of it though right not not just one aspect, like some people are good, like on the marketing side, some people are good on the leadership side, some people are good on, you know, the fitness side and the training side and the nutrition side. I feel like you've kind of 
have been an expert at all of those and you're intentional about being an expert at all areas of the fitness business. And that's something that I uh, respect most about you. Steven, I was going to ask you something real quick because I like to ask the people who've been in the game a long time like yourself, how do you stay just energized to to be enthused about fitness after doing it so long because some people it really can be like a beating and a hammer and do the same thing over and over year after year and here you are like you said 12 years in and you're still waking up excited to help people with their health and their fitness where does that passion and that excitement come from at this stage yeah i mean for me personally it's kind of like what matt said i'm just uh i'm someone that if i'm gonna do something i'm just you know, the title necessarily, I try to become an expert on it. So I feel like that's a never ending quest though. You know, you never, you never literally never know it all, but if that's your constant pursuit, then for me, that is what is always get, gets me excited, you know, to keep going because there's always something to learn. There's always, you know, uh, something new to figure out. There's always a new challenge to solve. So that is, it's so it's kind of funny as like, yeah, it's fitness, but what got me excited when I started is not what is has me excited now, you know? So those things change, but it's still overall, the big picture is still the same in that it's always a new challenge. It's always a new problem. It's always a new thing to learn. And that's just a never ending pursuit to me. So that just always keeps me going and keeps me energized. And to me, that's the separator and the the owners that I know that are extremely successful is they they kind of all have that, maybe not at the same level of obsession that, that you have it, but for the large majority of owners that we know that are successful have that drive to get better, to improve, always looking for the, the slightest advantage inside of their business and, and being able to improve all areas of their business. And like you're either growing or you're dying, right? So having that mindset, hey, there's always room to improve, I think is massively important. So what made you actually get in the fitness industry? Um, well, you know, it's like I said, just the the loving, like loving fitness. It's funny because that was what I was passionate about, learning everything about early on was for myself or for like, you know, the few clients that I had, everything about, you know, the biochem- biochemistry of protein and protein synthesis and, you know, recovery and everything about like the science of the actual fitness piece, that fascination. That's why I got a degree in exercise science. Actually switch. It's funny. I actually switched my degree from business to exercise science and and like, anyway, now it's more about anyway, the business side, but that was the thing. It was all about fitness. So I just knew that I'm so fascinated and have so much passion about this thing. That's what led me into fitness. And then, you know, big picture, it's then, you know, the impact that that has on people over time, you know, it's like day to day, it's about the, the problems and the learning new stuff. But then when you hear the stories and the impact that you have on people, that's what really makes it, you know, fulfilling at the end of the day, because it, it, I, I'm bullet down to this, like we're really giving people it's hope and then confidence and confidence as we know is so powerful for people and that leads into everything else they do. So when you really boil it down to, we've, we've talked about this before, like how, and you tell this to your team, I do too. Like it's, we have the most important job. I mean, it, when you really think about how that trickle effect uh, can impact your clients, you know, that's what really makes it meaningful. So I think it started passion for fitness and it became a passion for helping people through fitness. 
hundred percent. There, there's no other industry that somebody walks in your door for 30, 45 minutes that you get to impact every single area of their life. No one else gets to do that. Right. And that, that's just the, the cold, hard truth. Now, although those are all greats, those are the, the sunshine things. Those are the rainbow things. Uh, there's also massive challenges inside of our business. And, and ultimately, uh, we have found that our audience likes to hear about the struggles and the things that we find the most challenging. So what do you find right now to be the most challenging part of being in the fitness industry? Hmm. Uh, and you're, you're saying specifically like right now in 2023, kind of what's going on? Well, you can go in general, maybe like over the last, as you look at the last 12, 13 years, what's been the most challenging part? And then Right now, what do you find to, to be the most challenging part? And you can keep it specific to to you, or you could keep it specific. You work with a lot of gym owners as well, so maybe what what they're struggling with. I mean, it's I, big picture. We're inherently we're trying to get people to do things that they, you know, really they don't want to do. It's a quick fix, like life and or you know mindset, and we're trying to change that. But I also that is it's it's kind of like this love hate thing because that is the most frustrating part of if, if, you know, gym owners are honest with themselves is the most frustrating part. Like, oh, my clients are so freaking annoying because they don't do what they say and they don't follow. Right. But then again, it's like, what if it was easy? What if they, everybody just did what you said? And like, then there's no challenges. There's no, there's no problems to solve. They're not, so, and maybe I'm just weird. I'm just, so, but that's the fun part is figuring out, okay, like that, that challenge or that thing or that, that trial didn't go well. Like, how do we do it better the next time? You know, and analyzing all the like little mistakes we made, that's actually what makes it exciting to me. Um, but you know, it also in and of itself is the biggest challenge because we are trying to shift someone who wants something now to how do we get them to understand that it's a long game, you know, mentality. So it's it's hard to say that there's one thing, but I feel like that's one that's just a universal theme across the industry. And for every owner, you know, that's been in it for any period of time, that is the, you know, number one uh, thing. I mean, early on, you know, it's learning how to market and how to sell and all of that. But then you start to understand that a little bit more and, you know, that there's always challenges to adapt to. But it, and for me, it always comes back to, how do we get more people to do the things that we know that they need to do that they really don't want to do? Yeah, exactly. 80% of the population doesn't have a gym membership and 67% of that 20% that do don't use it, right? So we are trying to get people to do something inherently they know they're supposed to do, but they, they don't want to do. As human beings, we either obviously run towards pleasure or run away from pain. And what is a gym membership? What is eating healthy? Uh, what, what is getting up early? It's all, it's all pain at first, right? So getting people to do things that are painful that they don't like to do. And then we wonder why we struggle to get people to do those things. I had to learn, like, it's one of those things where you're like, man, if we just did this, we'd have a hundred percent compliance. If we just did this, then everybody would get on board. If we just did this, everybody would be freaking happy. And I've had to learn that just to st like, statistically speaking, we can improve the statistics, right? Like we can get 50% compliance, we can get 55% compliance, but you're never going to get 100% compliance. You're never going to make 100% of people happy. And if you have the benchmark that 100% is the goal, like you're going to be frustrated and you're going to want to quit and you're never going to want to, to be in this business and you're going to feel like you're a failure. And that's sometimes early on in my career, I always like 
man, I suck. Like I didn't get everybody on board. Not everyone's happy. And I'm like, no matter what I do, no matter how great I try to make this mousetrap, it's just never going to to be the perfect thing that works for every single individual. And I know for you, Steven, like you are a, I'm going to optimize the living crap out of everything to try to to make it work for everybody. So how do you handle that of like, hey, I'm trying to make this perfect, this perfect thing, but I know that innately it's not going to be perfect for everybody. How do you, how do you handle that? To your point, it, it's realizing that you're not going to get hundred percent. And then if you just step back from that statement and, and it's what I said earlier, if you did, well, then what would that mean? All right, well, let's uh, figure some something else to, to solve. It's like, then, I mean, it, you've done it, right? I guess like you've solved one of the world's biggest problems, you know, behavior change around weight loss. And so I guess let's move on to the next, uh, you know, issue that's affecting our planet because it didn't, right? So for me, it's like, you know, just keep climbing that mountain is, is what makes it enjoyable. But then it's really getting into what are the areas of that whole situation, it's behavior change that you can affect the most. So for me, like you said, optimizing, I'm going to look at each part of it from start when someone, you know, thinks that they want to lose weight to their, you know, now starting the process and all the obstacles that they run into and figure out where along that spectrum I can make the biggest improvement from last time. And that's, that is optimizing, but that's really the game is like, okay, we took, yeah, took this client through a, you know, 12 week program or whatever it is, whatever the situation is. And then look back, okay, based on what I know now, what would I have done differently? And that, that, what you find, that's, that's wisdom. That's, that's wisdom to apply to the next situation. Right. And I think, by the way, that's something that that most people miss. That's what I know I missed years ago, early on is like, you just keep, you do it. It's like you fail or in your mind you fail, right? You don't do as well as you want to do. And then you, you attempt the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's like, you never take five minutes to sit and back and go, okay, what actually went well, first of all, that I can give myself some credit for. Okay. And then secondly, what didn't go so well that based on what I know now, I would do differently next time. And I know if I had done that early on, I probably would have time collapsed three to five years in the middle there. Cause you, I bet if you could really, cause we know we only have so a capacity for so much of our memories, but if you could literally go back and and look at all the things you've tried to grow your business that have quote unquote failed, it would probably it would probably make us all sick to our stomach how many times we kept doing the same freaking thing over and over, like and making the same mistake. And that's just you you sit there today and you're like, well, I would never do the same thing. We pretty much did. Most people do, you know. And so I think that's probably the one of the things that. Is infuriating to think about but also anybody that's listening now especially if you're only a few years into this is like take the time to analyze your failures or you know where you didn't quote unquote hit your mark where you wanted to and give yourself some credit because you made some progress but also look at and see like what, what based on what you know now what would you have done differently and then the next time you do it do it differently and then you're gonna make more progress that's that's enough that's one of the best ways to you know, increase your achievements, results, whatever you want to call them. The next time around is just looking back and gaining wisdom from your own uh, mistakes. I got a question I want to ask you, Stephen. Um, 
the way I've seen our clients kind of fall into like three different categories in terms of the results they'll get kind of applies to the business owners that we all have given advice to. The way I kind of paint the picture is we've all seen those like moving sidewalks at the airport that kind of just move sideways. And I say the clients are the most coachable. They're on a really fast one. They will get the most results quickly because they're the quickest to take action and to like, like basically, like, like you said, almost be self-aware and give themselves feedback on top of outsiders giving them feedback. Then there's people who kind of move, you know, a little bit more of their medium pace. They're on a medium speed one. And then there's the people getting the slowest results on the slow moving sideways walker because they just won't budge. They won't change their ways. They're stubborn. And so whether it goes B to C where you're coaching your clients on fat loss, they kind of can choose which of those moving sidewalks they want to step into based on two things, their coachability, willing to listen and be self-aware, and then their speed of action. And so it's like, which pathway do you want to step on? We got the slow one, the medium one, and then the quick one. And so um, I think sometimes it's, you got to go through your own pain. I think a lot of people learn from their own failures. Like you mentioned, sometimes we do the same thing over and over and say, okay, I want to stop doing that. But sometimes you can't see the forest out of the trees. You need an outside perspective. Somebody had zoomed up 30,000 and say, do you see yourself that you're doing this over and over? You're like, oh my God, thank you for leveling up my awareness. I had no idea. Now you made me aware I will stop to do that. So I kind of sidestep from the slow platform to the fast moving platform. So I, I kind of point that to, again, coachability, speed of action. What are, if there's anything else you'd add on that, or you agree that those are the two, what are the things that you think separate people whether it's a fat loss client or a gym owner who's trying to grow their business, is there any other traits or things that you see that they do behaviorally that separates them from others? Well, I think this is something that, you know, for me recently, last few years that I've tried to focus on more that they can help. I guess you go from that, you know, client that is struggling to the, the, the fast track is first of all, being clear on what you actually want from the process or whatever it is you're trying to know, whether it's weight loss, you know, or, or in business growth, like what do you actually want? And it's even harder now than ever because our, what, what we feel we want is influenced by so many other people's and, and now social media and everything else that is some, it's really hard to get clear on that. And so when you're not clear on that, you get into the middle of trying to pursue something that deep down you really don't want. And you may not even know it, by the way, you think you do but you really don't. And that is what causes you to get off track, get shiny object syndrome, you know, make mistakes that maybe you wouldn't make, or, or maybe you would course correct faster if it was something you truly, you truly wanted, not what someone else wanted, but what you truly wanted out of your business, out of your um, pursuit of, of health or whatever it is. If you're a, if you're a fat loss client, I think that helps too, because, you know, we always say, find your why that's true. And at the end of the day, what is that? That's something, if, if you find your why, it's something you inherently want, something you would be happy with at the end of, you know, this thing. And that is the biggest, that's what causes people to get up early. That's what causes people to, you know, work late, put in the extra hours, whatever, is that purpose, is that motivation. But that comes back to something that they actually want for themselves, not what someone else, social media, whoever says that they should want. And if we're talking about business, what should be a successful business, whatever you would make you happy as a person for your business, you know? And that's what I, I try to teach everybody that too, like having clarity of vision of what you want, because too, like, if you don't know what you want, how do you create a plan to, to achieve it? Right. 
And I actually think in business, the business should be like built around the owner of the business and what they want and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And not necessarily, hey, one size fits all business and it's just going to work for everybody. That doesn't work the same way it doesn't work for nutrition, the same way it doesn't work for other aspects of life because you got the individual to be thinking about, right? So one of the things I enjoy doing with business owners is helping them build their business around them and not just saying, hey, this is how I do it. So you should do it that way because they might not be equipped to actually do that. And we do that with clients with workouts. We do that with clients with nutrition. We try to teach everybody the same way, but inherently though, they do have to want it. And it has to be something that they're willing to struggle for and they're willing to fight for and they're willing to go through the ups and downs. But if you're never clear on that, you're never going to to do that, right? But if they're not willing to, there's a phrase, they got to be willing to swim to the helicopter. So if you were drowning and a helicopter came and there was 30 people drowning and you're in the helicopter, who do you save? You save the one swimming towards the helicopter. And the thing that I had to realize is not everybody is willing to swim to the helicopter and the ones that are do everything you can do to help them, but you're never going to be able to help the ones that aren't willing to at least start swimming to the helicopter. And as hard as it is, you know, when you just look at the averages of human beings, honestly, only five to 10, like 10% or more at one time are going to be willing to swim to that freaking helicopter like really swimming, right? Like they're willing to to fight, they're willing to struggle and they really want it. So that means like 90% of people in your door, like they might show up and they might put in the work, but they're not they're not doing the nutrition behind the scenes. They're not doing all the things. They're not getting the sleep. They're not getting the hydration. They're not doing the habits. And it sucks, but that's just kind of what what we're actually dealing with, right? That's why, hey, if you're really good, you might go from 10 to 20% but you still probably have 80% not swimming and uh, doing the things that they need to be doing. And and that's, for me, that's the hardest part of our industry. You talked about like, hey, all this wisdom, I wish I would have knew. So um, when you first started your business, what do you wish you knew? If you had a time machine and you could go back and start your, your boot camp way back in the day with the knowledge yeah. you have now, what do you wish you knew? Well, it's probably, uh, it's probably two things really, because it, it, it the one thing that would help me the most is knowing myself m- better. Okay. Having self-awareness that's like, I mean, that, that would affect everything else without question. What I did, how I did it, you know, across the board. So that, that definitely, I mean, I can't, that's, that's number one. I mean, if it's like, if I could know myself now, my biases, how I emotionally react to things, how I like to make decisions. Okay. All that that I know now and that I'm always learning more about, but I, I have a good understanding of myself now. I mean, I put that in the 25-year-old Steven with, you know, all that Im- ambition and energy, you know, where it's like, again, time collapse, right? But uh, but but talk, but talk, because I can't obviously give that information or that knowledge to anybody listening, you got to do that for yourself and we're all different. I would say the one thing I can tell everybody that is universal that I wish I could tell myself back then is your competition does not matter nearly as much or at all than what you think it does. You're thinking about your competitors. Your competition is irrelevant if you're focused on your clients. Your clients are your num- should be your number one focus. And if you are focused on your clients and constantly trying to solve their problems, you do make your competition irrelevant. 
right? And so that is something that I think if I could go back, I would, I could care less. Now I do. I literally, some people tell me, did you hear about this? I'm like, I didn't even know they were open. I don't, I don't, when I think about it, I'm like, are they still open? That's what I think. Okay. I do not care. It could be a hundred fitness businesses around me. I, it, I, it doesn't matter at all now because I realize, you know, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to help my clients best, like I always say, like, you know, your, your focus should be on your client's future. That's what they're paying you for, for a future. So if you're focused on the future, you can't look sideways and focus on your competition. Right. And that's ultimately, you know, what, what to me is important and what you're getting paid to do anyway, that's how you're going to grow your business. And all of a sudden then you can't focus on your competition. You have less worry, less stress, less, all of that. Right. So competition is, can drive us. But I think it also drives people to make really poor decisions and gets them off track, right? Well, they did that. So maybe I need to go buy all this or do it. It's like, well, does your, is that going to help your clients? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if you don't know that, then that's where your focus should be. Right. And then, you, then you're driven by emotions and no one makes very good decisions driven by emotions, right? And, and that's just the truth. But the gold in there is your job is to solve your client's problems to the level you can solve your client's problems is to the level that you will get paid, right? So a, bu- a business at the foundational core of a business, your job is to solve someone's problems and make a profit, right? Which we're going to get into your your uh, your presentation here in a little bit about at the Domination Workshop, which is all about uh, profit and how do we manage profit and all those things. We will get into that. But the, the minute you start worrying about competition, the minute you start doing those things, it's going to put you in a negative state. Negative states drive negative actions. Negative actions drive negative outcomes, right? So sometimes I have found you just need to protect your state too because it doesn't serve you. What, is it, what does it do to you to go look at your competition and what they're doing? Now that means that you're focused on them. You're not focused on solving your client's problems and growing your business and how do you get more members in. The only way you can turn that into a positive is somehow you have a trigger when you look at your competition that that drives a positive action for you. That means that you go market harder. That means you go and uh, do even more for your clients. Uh, like you can create a positive trigger, but most people don't do that. You have to be very self-aware of what impact does me talking about my competition or looking at my competition do. And I have never had any benefits of looking at my competition ever. So what? What's the besides looking at their competition? What do you feel is the number one mistake you see other gym owners making? Um, probably, probably trying to maximize before they optimize, you know, trying to do more before they do it better. Um, you know, I heard the best, the, one of the best things, uh, analogies I've heard of this is, uh, this is one of the examples that I've used is like, okay, and this is inside of a, a, a gym, but you could do locations, whatever, but it's like, well, I could add more sessions. If I add more sessions and hire more coaches that I could get more clients. And that that's a true statement. But what if you instead just looked and said, okay, I have these this session that only a few people are coming to. What if I just reduced the amount of times I offered that one or canceled it if, if that's what's needed right now and now I have more profit. So instead of raising my ceiling, my potential, I just raise my floor. And when you raise your floor, now you can touch the ceiling a lot easier. So it's like, just looking at it totally different instead of like, how can I get more of something? How can I get the most out of something? And it's a balance. It's not just do one or the other, right? You should 
if you want to maximize, great, but don't maximize before you optimize because we get the bias and the thing, I want to get more and more and more. Well, yeah, okay, get more. But guess what? You get more of the good. You also get more of the bad because you got to optimize before you maximize. So I think that's the number one thing uh, that a lot of people fall prey to is like they see, right? Everybody else doing more. So I got to do more. And it's like, great, be ambitious, but let's optimize and then maximize and then optimize. And it's just a back and forth. But I think that's even a decision making, like even when we talk about revenue and profit, which obviously we'll get into in a little bit is oftentimes we make decisions to maximize revenue, right? But they might not be actually optimal for, for profit generation. And our goal as a business is to to make profit. So really sometimes when we make decisions like, oh, this is going to increase the revenue, but that we don't take into effect of what does that actually do on, on the profit of the business? Because if you just add all these things and do all these things, but then at the same day, you make the same amount of profit as you did before. All you did was stress out your team, add complexity to your business. And it's the second and third order consequences, right? That's you, you have to go, when I do this, well, then this, and then this, and then this. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's not such a great decision. So it's not, you're not, not knowing that what the second, third order consequences of one decision are is where just focused on what it's. So it's kind of like this. I like to think of it as maximizing is potential. Optimizing is what's possible because maximizing is potential. What could be optimizing is what is. So if I focus on what is, then I almost, I, I earn the right to focus on what could be. You know, and I think that's the key. It's like, and and I think it's it all it's driven by it's how people are wired. You know, some people are wired more and more and more, and some people are wired like like most of get the most out of something. I'm probably the latter, but I think if you have the wisdom to understand how they both have their place and what order they should go in, that's where you can make the most progress. Hey guys, it's Dustin Bogle with The Fitness Empire and we want to connect with you on social media. So Matt and I are asking you to either friend us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and we'll follow you back. But you wanna search our name, Dustin Bogle or Matt Wilbur, and here's what we wanna do for you. We wanna help you with your biggest pain point in your business. So send us a DM, tell us what that big pain point or struggle is and we'll share with you whatever we've done when it comes to that pain point in our own business, all right? so. Again, go on Facebook, Instagram, search Dustin Bogle, Matt Wilbur, connect and let us help you grow your business. On that, I, I see the members, they think more workouts is better, just more more moving and, and they're just adding more and more and more. And then the same with the gym owners, like you said, more sessions, more coaches, more locations. And sometimes it's like locations, one's not optimized and you're gonna go and add more. Like, I, I think again, that's very much a common default setting is, it, and it makes sense, like more weight, uh, you know, I need to get in better fit. I'm going to, I'm going to go lift more weight. It's like, have you tried some tempos? Have you tried some, you know, time under tension, eccentrics? Like, you know, let's try some other things. That's not always the the way to get there is more. Um, and I don't so, think it has to be perfect. You know, I mean, that's yeah. the thing that's when people like, well, he said, just like optimize, optimize. It's like, no, optimize, but to a point, you know, and then you need, you need the other side. It's kind of the whole certainty variety, you know, do the basics, but Hey, it's totally cool to like go you know, try something different, do something new that, that even if it doesn't really benefit you, if it just keeps you motivated, sometimes that right, we, like we know with programming, right. You know, I think, um, uh, forget who it actually, who actually said it, but it was probably the best way to describe it in programming workouts. He's like, 
I'm going to program what I know the client needs. And then at the end, I'm going to program what they want, like some emotional exercises. And it's like, that's just the best way to think of it is like something they want to do. Um, but is it going to move the needle? Probably not, but that's fine because that keeps them motivated. So the things that do move the needle are even more effective. And so I'll actually, I actually do that for myself, which I used to, would I would have not done as much of that because I thought, well, I need to stay focused. And it's like, I've realized, hey, sometimes I just need to like go learn something new that isn't even gonna move the needle in my business today because I just need a fresh perspective and wanna learn something new to keep me energized. And that might be a podcast, a book. It might be, it might be going to a conference sometimes that do I need to go to another conference? No. But I I my need is to keep learning and keep growing. And sometimes just being around that new stuff will then get me more motivated and energized to, you know, do more of the things that are going to really move the needle. So I think that raise, I, raise the number 10, why you need to come to the domination workshop. That's right. right there. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. One, one thing that I want to hit on that you said that I think is really important is sometimes people that are optimizers, like they, they geek out over the training. This is the most optimal way to train a human being. And we're going to do progressive overload and we're just going to do the same fucking thing over and over and over and over again. Cause that's what the clients should be doing. But then they forget that they're training a human being, right? One of the human beings need variety. They need to, you know, as much as like, hey, every time you leave, you don't need to feel like you just got, you know, hammered into the ground. But there's ways to make them feel like they got a really good workout because if it's just boring, if it's just progressive overload, if it's like I did the same thing for the last six weeks, textbook would be like, hey, this is perfect training. This is what you should be doing. But when you have a human being that is bored, and doesn't want to come in anymore and like you're, you're missing the human side of training so i feel like you got to have you do need the textbook you need the right training protocol like you need to be but honestly i feel like most gyms need to do a better job of going to the human side of things and understanding the human needs because the human needs are dictating whether or not they're coming back or not not how good you're you're programming in and your training in and, and all that stuff so for you being a I would say like, obviously you understand the the human needs. Did you understand the human needs as much when you first started training or were you more on like the, I'm the optimal and this is what the textbook says and this is how we're going to do things. And I'm just going to try to get everybody on board with it. Only the, you know, what, what's the best way to train somebody. But I discovered the other part that was lacking because of the constant pursuit of how do I get better? So, you know, it's like every, at every stage, it's like, oh, well, clearly this is a bottleneck in my ability to help people. I need to get better at this. And so at some point it became, okay, I know what to do. I know the best protocol. I know the best, all of that, but I'm having a hard time getting people to want to do it. Right. And, or enough people. So what's going to help me with that? Oh, that's going to help if I know how to coach people and like behavior change and what that's about. That, so it just, it morphed into now let me focus on that, right? And less on the training and all that and more on how do I get people to actually do it? So uh, it definitely was the the training side of it first. That was what, you know, I was focused on, but it, you know, eventually evolved into, I would say 80% of just all about how do you get someone to do it? You know? Yeah. How do you, how do you get them excited about doing stuff they don't want to do, Right. People don't want to be bored. People don't want to do the same things over and over again. And I, I think one thing gym owners have to realize is 
Your clients aren't you. You may be obsessed with training. You may be obsessed with the 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 exact right protocol. They don't give two shits, right? So just I, I think a lot of gym owners struggle with that. And they struggle thinking that everyone should think the way that they do and operate the way that they do and care the way that they do. And they just don't. There's not doesn't mean there's something wrong with your clients. It's just they don't. So you have to face the reality of that if you want to have a successful business. And some people would rather be right, like thinking that their way of doing thing is right, even at the expense of they might fail, they might go out of business, they might not because they feel like a certain way of how things should be operated. But that's just a failing non-growth mentality and it, it's holding them back. So what do you think our listeners should be focusing on their business right now? Like going into, we're going into the end of 2023, 20, where do you think most gym businesses or owners should be focusing on? I mean, if we're talking about just, uh, just folk, if we're talking about just big picture, um, I think, I mean, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I think it, it, you know, keeps you from uh, getting too distracted and too, you know, spread too thin is just, is to focus on your clients, right? Like, what do your clients want? I mean, there's never been a time, never, where you could get more distracted and what should I do now, right? I mean, now we got freaking AIs everywhere. I mean, although I, I think I, you know, Matt knows, I, I've been preaching that for, for a few years now, how that was going to change the game. Um, and it's like, there's AI, this AI, that chat, GBT, what you like, like all these things that you could do. And, and there's a, probably a good chance that some of them will be, would be great for your business or your clients. There's a chance, right? But why don't we go and actually, and this is going to blow people's minds and, 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 and we're talking about things that people wish they should do. They don't, you know, I would almost challenge everybody listening to do this, right? How many people are going to actually take the time to do it? schedule meetings with your clients and sit down and actually interview them. Get curious and, and ask good questions and figure out what are they frustrated about? What are they, you know, uh, what are their challenges? What are they worried about? You know, and kind of get them talking and just listen to what they're complaining about. Because if they're complaining about it, there's a, probably a list of things you can help them with. And then from there, get to know like how they want to have that problem solved in terms of like, do they want all this, you know, uh, automated stuff and all this new, you know, this new technology or whatever that maybe you've got your eye on and you think is going to be important. Is that how your clients want to be served? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you'll never know that if you don't take the time to actually focus on your clients. It's like your clients future, right? What are you, whatever their ambitions are, that's where your focus should be. And I think that will drive everything else that you should be focused on because it's an endless list. You know, I mean, I can have my biases and say, I think, you know, I do think that, you know, the older population is probably a good place to, to keep your eye on because of the fact of how many people are in that bracket. Um, and that the, there's a very, very small percentage of, you know, um, fitness businesses that are focused on that market, but past that from a strategic standpoint it i think it's always about your clients and so you can get most of your answers on how to grow your business and where to stay focused from that there was a person i forgot who it was but he's he's big into like creating product space and he basically where he gets all his ideas is he goes on 
Amazon reviews and reads all the one and two star reviews of what everyone is complaining about on people's products. And then he that's just an- does, he just solves that problem. And <laughs> yeah. like that, that's, that's his market research, right? Is listening to what's the problems and, and the things that people are saying. And then th- that's how he goes and creates new products by doing his market research about what people are complaining about. But I do think that's huge because it goes back to the, the training things and the human needs things. We're like, hey, we think people are going to want this and you get excited about it. It's like a feature versus a benefit, right? It's like the features are so great and they're going to be, but is it really providing the benefit that you thought that the clients actually wanted from you? And oftentimes it's not because there's a massive dis- disconnect between people that love fitness and live and breathe this and do this on a daily basis to somebody where it's just, I know I need to work out. I know I need to eat better, but I freaking hate doing it. There's a massive disconnect between those two things and we don't really truly understand our clients' problems. And then a lot of the gym owners in this industry are male dominated. Do you really think you understand your female clients' problems? Do you really think you understand what it's like to have three kids and being pulled in a million different directions? And the answer is no. So I, I really like that idea is there's a there's a book called Scaling Up, which I think you actually put on my lap way back in the day. And his his three questions are, what should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I keep doing, right? Those are great questions to ask your team for you as a leader, but those are great questions when you're interviewing clients too. Just even if you're like, what do I ask? What do I do? Like those three questions, what do I start doing? What do I stop doing? What should we keep doing? And you're going to get some really good things. But the more you understand your client's pain points and you become the expert at solving them, but the only way you know what they are, right? To Stephen's point is if you actually ask them. Yeah. Like assumptions make an ass out of you and me. What, what their what their goals are, you know, like, okay, what's your, what do, what do you want to achieve? I'll lose weight. You know, you get, it's, it's basically like, you know, what we would call quote unquote, you know, in a, in a sales consultation, but this is not selling anything. This is legitimately, you got to be curious. Okay. What, what, what would make you happy about that? Or what would make you happy with your progress? Well, once you know that, okay, well, what are, what are the top two or three things you would say that are keeping you from being able to get there? And once they throw one out, well, I'm not able to, you know, eat as eat up, eat what I know I should. That's interesting. What do you think's the le- biggest factor from you not knowing what you eat? And you just keep going and you just make a list. And it's like, you're kind of an investigator. You need to be real curious. It's all what and how, what and how. And that list is your answers to, okay, they don't know how to eat healthy because they are uneducated about what proteins are. Okay. They're uneducated about what proteins are. How could I give them a simple list of that from there? It's like, how could I make it easy for them to, and you could just keep going, but it's like, what are those problems? What are the things that are keeping them from getting to their outcome? That space in the middle, that's, that's, that's the growth of your business. Those are your solutions. Those are the things that you need to double down on and make your focus. Because if you make them your focus, it's like, you have, you have, you have it a before and an after. And then there's a pivot or transformation in the middle. People pay for the pivot. They pay for the middle, right? They're already here. They want to get here. If you can figure out the the the, the bridge, the gap, they're going to pay you for that. And that's your goal is to figure out what that turning point, that catalyst is to help them get to their outcome. And then I think you can also take that into that provides unlimited content to create that creates unlimited lead generators that you can create. But 
also now you become the, the the expert person on understanding your clients. Like, hey, this person understands my pain points, what I struggle with, what I need. They're empathetic, right? So like people want their their guide, the person, their expert to be empathetic and be an expert, right? By being able to do both of those things, by listening to your customers, you're able to position yourself as that person. So like, I think that's that's genius. And I, I really believe that like for those things, like, I, I believe in creating a, a daily or weekly cadence from like a habit perspective. I don't know about you all, but I've never been able to like create like monthly habits or quarterly habits very well. Like it needs to be on a consistent basis. So if that's something that you're thinking about doing and taking immediate action on like once a week, meet with a client. Like it doesn't have to be extreme, but do it consistently. And then you're going to start seeing trends. One thing that I advise on though, because we get feed, like we try to get feedback via surveys and things like make sure there's a real trend in what people are saying because sometimes we'll we'll take advice from one client which is a you know one out of 300 people and then you start changing everything because one person voiced a concern one person brought something up one person and it's like it's a sample size of one so i would just encourage that the sample size is more than one person but your job as a leader is to look at trends as well right what's what's a trending problem what's a trending issue what's a trending thing that we can solve because you don't get paid to solve one person's problem, right? You get solved by helping lots of people. And it's also don't get caught up in asking them what, you know, what they think you should do or add, because then you're going to be more confused because five different clients want five different things they think are important. It's not about what this, it's not about the solution. It's about the problem. So you have to focus on what the obstacles are that are keeping them from getting to their outcomes that's where you have to it, find your trends and iterate on your solutions. I mean, cause again, the, the, the ways to solve it could be endless, but once you can know, Hey, my, my particular clients seem to have this one or one or two things that I can tell from doing 10, 15 of these interviews around this one issue. Well, that's where you need to focus your, you know, whether it's something you need to learn, something you need to get better at, something you need to, you know, who do you need to know? What do you need to know about that problem to solve it? There, you know, all the answers though are in the problem and in your marketing, like you said, then you're able to like speak to it and say, Hey, we understand, we get it. That's why we are able to do X, Y, Z, right? You're able to provide literally the thoughts that they have and the language that they use because you actually know them. 100%. All right, let's get into Domination Workshop. So what are going to be the top three big takeaways our audience is going to get from your presentation? Well, it's going to be uh, a lot of what we talked about today. I, I want to help provide some ways to get clear on what they, uh, help them get clear on what they want. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a little workshop style in, in a lot of ways because uh, I found that the best way to get the best answers is to not seek answers, but to ask better questions. So, uh, help them figure out what it is that they want and how to get it and then how to get more of it. So how to get more of it like in an efficient way. So obviously part of your presentation is about profit and about money. Um, so what aspects of that do you think are going to be kind of like unique or maybe things they haven't heard before or going to help them see their business in a different light? Because obviously I don't know exactly what angle you're taking, but I I've seen a different presentation before on the profit and it just made me look at my business in a, in a completely different way of when, for example, you know, you, you brought up the analogy of a salary cap, right? Like understanding what, what the salary cap 
on your businesses from a, can I hire, can I not hire? Like what, how much room do I have to bring on a coach? Um, so from a profit, cause the, the issue, like, obviously the, the goal is to have profit, right? But I feel like the thing that we, we learn the hard way, the most challenging way is understanding our money and how to manage our money and what to do with our money and making decisions around money. And I feel like the presentation that I heard you give previously was like, oh man, like the thing that I think you do really well is you take complex things and then you make them understandable and in a, in a lot more simple to, to execute against. So from the money perspective, what would you say is going to be some, some big takeaways? Yeah, probably, uh, you alluded to it, but mainly looking at it, looking at your business differently and how can you use your biggest expense to your greatest leverage? Because that's the way I try to, to, to decipher it. Like there's a hundred different ways, right? Oh, we could, you know, get a, you know, different vendor for paper towels or whatever. Like those are all little things that you could do, but do those really give you leverage? Not really, you know? Um, they don't really move the needle. So it's flipping it and saying, what are the things that cost me the most? How can I actually use those to get the most leverage in, from a profitability standpoint? And one of my big takeaways after your talk was like, I was like, oh my God, we're having our coaches do a bunch of stuff that do not make us money, right? Like they're, you know, part of your presentation was like, hey, your coaches only make you money when they service clients for the most part, right? Like, so when you, when you look at that, and I don't want to give away your whole presentation, but for me, it was like, I've been at this for fucking 10 years now. And I'm like, well, we have them doing, uh, cleaning the bathrooms. We have like, there's like an hour a day of cleaning. And I'm like, but then that limits how many hours a day they can service clients. And I'm like, I can pay somebody or barter cleaning, put them on the floor. Like they don't make make money for your business being in a meeting. They don't make money for your business doing a bunch of busy work, right? Like they could, you can hire somebody for $15 an hour to do that stuff when like, for example, in semi-private, our coaches can make us $150 an hour yep. and you have them doing a $10 an hour task. Like, do you want to put them doing a $150 an hour work or do you want them having doing a, a $10 an hour task? Because when you have them doing the $10 an hour task, they can't do the $150 task, right? So how do you free them up to actually do the things that make money? So I left one, like in a big takeaway for me, cause I'm a student, like, like I'm bringing people in that um, I want to learn from and that have shifted my mindset of how I think, right? After being in this for 10 years and making over $40 million in this business. Like that was, I don't know, six months ago, nine months ago, Right. I'm like, my God, like, how am I that naive to like when I'm thinking about my team? And I just started thinking about each team of, I started looking at every position of leverage and where do they actually make money? And then where are they spending their time? And if you're really being honest, you probably have a lot of people that have the capability of making a lot of money per hour doing low level, low money tasks that are actually hurting your business from being more profitable. So that really opened my eyes massively of how I look at my operation. And I know if I got that much out, and that was just one, that's just one topic of what you talk about. But for me, that was like a very eye-opening thing of how I started looking at my business as well. And, and that goes back to just the optimization thing too, right? Because 
how do you optimize their hours? How do you optimize every single team member on your team to like leverage them to do what's right for optimizing the profit inside of your business, not just how do we maximize, you know, gross revenue? Yep. That's it. All man. right. So that's going to be like, I, I don't want to oversell. I'm not like an overseller person, but you guys, when you come, Steven's presentation is going to be like 10 times what, what you did. And you're going to see your business in a completely different light. And you're going to kind of feel like, okay, I, I understand this thing now. I feel like way more in control of my business because if you don't understand your money, you don't understand that side of things. You don't understand like, can I make this decision? Is it right to make this decision? Like you never feel in control of your business and that's not a good state to be in. So I feel like a big thing that your presentation does is make people feel like now I actually understand my business and I feel in control of what's the right thing to do moving forward based on, you know, logic, not just not just emotion, which oftentimes as business owners, we make a lot of decisions based off emotion. But what if we can make it off of actual logic and stats that make it simple? And it's not complex either because some people will hear, oh my God, stats and I'm going to learn stats. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like it's actually very simple, easy math. And I know you break it down for them and they'll be able to execute against that. All right. So we're going to get this wrapped up. Dustin, I'll ask my last question. If you have a, a last question, uh, and then we will let Dustin send us off. So is there anything else you feel you want to share? Like kind of like a, a value bomb here at the end that obviously wasn't addressed in the questions because we know you, uh, you're full of the wisdom. Uh, isn't there anything else that you want to add that you think our audience will get some value from? If I had to pull out one thing out of the conversation, it would be uh, that you have to, that, it, that you need to stay focused on all the experiences that you're having. You need to strip those out, strip out the lessons, strip out the, uh, strip out the progress because there is progress there, but also strip out the lessons so that you can have wisdom to make better decisions and take better actions. Uh, the next time around. I agree. And I think one of the places you get wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes. Yeah, um, that's it. And like for, for like, there's so many things that I've, I feel like I've been able to gain wisdom without having to go through it myself by learning from other people's mistakes, other people that have experienced it before they've gained the wisdom and now they're sharing that wisdom with you. And that's one of the the cool things of the domination workshop is you're going to get Steven's wisdom. You're going to get my wisdom. You're going to get Dustin's wisdom. You're going to get the rest of our guest wisdoms of, hey, we've already made all these mistakes. Don't make them, right? Here's here's the wisdom dump. Like for you, it's been 13 years. For Dustin, it's been 20 years. For me, it's only been about 10 years. I'm the, I'm the young buck of uh, the experience on this side of things. But we've gained those years of wisdom and we're going to be able to provide that to you because we've made the mistakes. And the thing about the three of us is we try. Like we're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to try, but we know what works. We know what doesn't work. And we can just give you combined about 45 years of wisdom over a two-day weekend. And then the other awesome part is Steven's going to be there. So Steven's going to present. He's going to be there. He'll talk to you in the hallway. Like if you figure out like, hey, I can't do this stat thing, he'll bust out a piece of paper for you and go through your CRM and and do all those things. And the only reason I say he will is because I've seen him do it, right? So um, he's also going to be there. So uh, use him, pick his brain, 
he's a, a wealth of knowledge and it's not just on what his presentation is. Honestly, if, if I said, hey, I need a presentation on marketing, he would give you a world-class presentation on marketing. If I said, I need a presentation on how to do email copy, he would do that. If I give a presentation on how to lead your team, he would pull that off. But if I said, hey, do a presentation on any topic, he would be an expert at doing that. Unfortunately, you have to, to, to listen to more of me and Dustin, but he is a wealth of knowledge of running every single aspect and we're just privileged to, to have you there. And uh, hopefully the audience takes advantage of that. Um, that's all I got. Dustin, any last questions or send us off, my friend? Oh, thank you, Stephen. Again, always love connecting with you and hearing your wisdom, dude, because again, you've been in the game a while. And so our goal is to just up-level the industry because I think you know this, that our country's on track to be 50% obese by the year 2030. So we need to change things. We need to have better practices in place of changing behavior, of getting clients results, of helping our country go the other direction. So thank you for all the wisdom you shared. For the listeners, dominationworkshop.com, register now. By the time you're listening to this, you're at the point where the price will be jumping up 1500 bucks. And so uh, if you don't want to pay through the nose for this wisdom, this is the final week that you can be registering and getting it at the best price possible. So go to dominationworkshop.com, register yourself, bring your team. You want them to hear the topics we're going to be talking about. And pretty much the next episode you're here, you're going to be paying more. So uh, just drop what you're doing now and go buy the ticket and get your butt to Matt's HQ in Michigan. Hear Steve's presentation in person. Hear all of our guests. Go home and build a bigger and better business. So that's it. Matt, any final things before we wrap up? No, get your booties the Domination Workshop, baby. We are going to pour into you. It's going to be an awesome two days, and it's something that you won't regret, and it's going to springboard you for the rest of 2023 and, and really set you up for success going into 2024 because we are going into growing season. September, things are going to be growing. Come in August, get the game plan, get the roadmap, get the motivation, and let's freaking dominate and change some lives. We'll see you there. All right, guys. See you there. Hey, guys. Dustin Bogle here, and I wanted to invite you to my free group for gym owners. It's called Fitness Sales Made Simple because I want to show you how to convert more of your leads into sales, how to get more people to say yes to taking that leap of faith to join your program and to get healthy, fit, and more confident. All right. And so I'm going to share my best sales strategies but you got to join the group to see what it's all about. And in fact, the minute you join, I'm going to give you a free gift. And that is a PDF called five ways to get more sales in your gym. So join the group. I'll tag you on the PDF and enjoy the free content. See you in the group.